For those of you that are watching, thank you for joining us. And uh, we are getting ready to preach uh, from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So we preach through the Bible uh, and, and through specific books, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we have gone through... Uh, we, we've gone through 1 Thessalonians, and now we've entered into 2 Thessalonians. Um, and you know what I'm going to do? Let's see here. Cody, can you do me a favor? Can you grab my laptop? Can you grab my laptop off my desk? I think it's on my desk. Um, hopefully it's got some charge to it. Uh, what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to walk through uh, at several passages that I think tie together uh, to this passage here, as as Paul uh, brings us here in chapter two, there's really it's. I mean, we have a short book here, uh, three chapters, and we've already we had chapter one last week, and we're going to do chapter two this week, and three the following, and we'll be done with First and Second Thessalonians. Um, but I, I want to bring some context to this, and if you if if you wonder where <laughs> you know, what's going on here? What is the, the scenario? I'll give you a little brief synopsis. But once again, all of our sermons are archived on YouTube. Um, you can go subscribe to that channel. You can listen to them, podcast, and, and catch up on some of the things that have happened that have transpired. But here, just in a nutshell, what we find is that Paul planted this church, and it was only there, he was only there for two to three months. Thank you so much. My iPad died, and I forgot that I typed things in here that aren't in my other notes. So let's see here. Sorry, forgive me, forgive me. Uh, my, my iPad croaked, and so I want to have these notes in front of me. I had some extra things this morning. All right, and we're, do, we're, do, we're doing good. We've got like two folks here in the audience, uh, and I'm thankful for that. So, uh, what I want to do is just provide a little bit of context, and then what we'll do is we'll kind of take a step back, if you will, and, and we'll look at this from a holistic perspective. So the context is super important. It is what we'll launch from of what Paul was saying, but I think you'll find it so interesting how it applies to us and how we, uh, what maybe I should say, how we gravitate to, how we cling to certain what we would call truths or what we would call uh, sure things in the text. And if we see how Paul deals with them, I think it will give us a better understanding of how to deal with the things to come, really, is, is what we're going to get into. The prophecy, if you will, uh, the end times, the eschatological timeline, however you want to say it. Uh, but Paul deals specifically with this church. So, uh, and I think that we would do well to uh, follow his lead on that. So, the context specifically, we find that Paul was there two to three months. Uh, at this church uh, in Thessalonica, and, and we find that there were four different types of people, um, and ultimately we know that Paul was that apostle to the Gentiles. He was going to the synagogues first, but then uh, to everyone else in that community, strategically being led to this area by the Holy Spirit, planting this church here, I believe on his second missionary journey, and, and Paul is uh, run out of town by the Judaizers. He's run out of town by the religious Jews. They were one of the four people groups that were settled there in Thessalonica, and they become angry with his teaching. Ultimately, not just his teaching, but they become angry with the fact that these other people groups were experiencing life change. They were experiencing the work of God happening in their lives and what the Word of God does uh, for people who believe and for people who act in faith. And so that was happening, and they, they became upset. And they were persecuting Paul. So the religious Jews, the zealots, if you will, the Judaizers, they were the ones that ran Paul out of Dodge, if you will. And so the, these people were constantly demeaning, cutting down, trying to uh, devalue Paul's teaching, trying to, um, how, how would I frame this, Try, trying to spin it and turn uh, what Paul was saying into something of what they thought the gospel was. And ultimately, we know that they rejected the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, and, and they rejected Jesus to the point that they killed him, right? And the message of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, it was the message that Paul carried. It was the truth of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, coming into the new. What was exclusive to one people group, obviously making way for the stranger, 
yet uh, was then expounded to all nations. God chose a specific people group uh, in the Old Covenant to bring Jesus to this planet, and ultimately uh, the gospel, the veil was torn, and the gospel now goes to all nations. So, uh, but Paul was still, still dealing with some of the questions that we deal with today. And so we find here that Paul warns against false teaching, but specifically he deals uh, with end-time prophecy here in the- 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So rather than just reading this and expounding on what's here, I, found, I, I, I think uh, what will be helpful today is if we take a little journey, if we, if we go on a, uh, a little path here through Scripture to some of the Scriptures that Paul alludes to here in the text, and then here, let's hear what Jesus has to say on it, and then we'll come back and we'll settle in here at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and, and then we'll see what the Lord has for us specifically. So what we're going to do is we're going to deal with some of these end-time issues that Paul talks about. But we're, before we get to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to first go to Isaiah. So take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 66, Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1. And we're going to bounce around in that chapter a bit. I hope you're ready to have some Bible study. How many of you, the end times piques your interest? Prophecy piques your interest. And you want to know uh, what's going to happen? What, what is the next things? What are the next steps that are going to happen with the church? Uh, people have been wondering that since the Lord left. Uh, since, since he ascended, when's he coming back? When does this thing get popping again? All right. So you're not alone in that. Um, and that was the case during their day as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to the Old Testament. And mind you, that is what the New Testament writers were drawing from. For those that think the Old Testament is, uh, we don't need it, throw it out. All we need is the New Testament. The Old Testament is what Paul was was immersing himself in. It's what Paul was quoting. If we understand the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, it will bring light to what the New Covenant means. And so uh, Paul quotes and, and studies and knows well the Old Covenant, and we find that here in the text. So uh, if, if people or pastors in, encourage you to stay out of the Old Testament and just look to the New uh, run. Uh, so anyway, Second Thessalonians, we'll get there, but we're first going to Isaiah 66. Uh, verse number one. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth with my word. I'm reminding you, this is the prophet Isaiah This is a prophet years and years and years before we have the New Testament. He's about to say some things that sound a lot like what Jesus said, that that are going to sound a lot like what Paul said. The point in reading this in the Old Testament and then in Jesus' life and then in Paul's is to see that there's consistency. And from this text in Isaiah 66, if you're watching this live right now and you're joining us, understand if you don't believe God's word, you haven't had a student of the Bible sit down and show you how cohesive it is and show you how prophetic it was and show you how true it is. We have in the Bible everything we need. We study God's word to illuminate our path, to establish our goings. We don't need to make up extra things. We have enough in in the canonized scripture. In, in, the, in, in the fixed book, Revelation revealed to us right here in the Bible. So uh, Isaiah 66, I'm telling you, we're going to read a story that's going to line up with Matthew and going to line up with Paul. It's amazing. Verse number five in Isaiah 66. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. Your brethren, do you have your Bibles? Come on, I know this is church online. If you were here, I'd be looking at you. I'd be, I'd be pointing you out because you're not looking at your Bibles. Just kidding. Uh, but please read this with me. You need to see it. Hear, hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. A voice of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, and a voice of the Lord that rendereth recompense to his enemies. Don't miss this. Before she travailed, she brought him forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered a man-child. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? 
For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to birth and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord. He's saying, shall I not have this plan that is bringing about the salvation of the world and not actually execute it? And not actually cause? Shall I go through a nine-month pregnancy and not birth the baby? That's what he's saying in verse 9. It's going to happen. Verse 14, look at verse 14. And when ye see this, your heart shall rejoice. Shall rejoice. And your bones shall flourish like an herb. And the hand of the Lord shall be known toward his servants. And his indignation toward his enemies. Verse 18. We're skipping for sake of time. For I know their works and their thoughts, it shall come. That I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. Verse 19. And I will set a sign among them, and I will send those that escape of them unto the nations to Tarshish, pull, Lud, draw the bow, to Tubal, Javan, to the isles afar off, and have not heard my fame, neither have seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the who? The Gentiles. It's another word here in the Hebrew just saying they're going to declare my name to all nations. Verse 23, stay with me. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of men that have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched. I say this, it seems like, every week now. Take that, Jehovah Witness. And they shall be in abhorring unto all flesh. What we're seeing here is prophecy. Some fulfilled and some has yet to be fulfilled. But it is a timeline that we're seeing that Paul would have known and understood. Where is the Apostle Paul pulling his eschatological timeline from? Where is he pulling uh, the text that he's writing from? Uh, where, where was his understanding rooted? It was, it was rooted there in Isaiah 66. And we're going to see uh, Paul expound on that and say really the same things that are being said said here in this text. Focus on verse number nine. Listen, if you like prophecy, don't miss this. If, if you focus there on verse 99, uh, 99, verse number nine, understand this, that the Lord has been, uh, th th this situation is, is looked at as a woman in travail. A baby is going to come to be birthed. There's a focus on this text, verse number nine, Shall I bring to birth and not cause to bring forth? There's a focus here on attention that the Lord is restraining, that the Lord is withholding. Something is going to happen. The end result in Isaiah 66 is what? All nations will declare him. All nations, all tribes, all tongues. Sounds like some things in the New Testament. All of them will come to an understanding of who this Messiah was, of who was going to be brought to pass. But the focus here from the Old Covenant is this, the Old Testament, that the Lord is holding this back, but it's going to happen. And when it does, you follow the text in Isaiah 66, and the end result is those that are being judged, that do not declare him the king of kings, and, and, and then ultimately someone from all nations declaring his glory. Okay, that's something that Paul would have had in view here in his text. Let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, a very famous prophetic passage. Matthew chapter 24, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 24. We're doing a little Bible study this morning here in morning worship. Our viewership is close, but it's, it's oh, oh, we picked up a little bit, but it's dropped a little. Prophecy, preaching, Ugh, I'm leaving. <laughs> Don't leave. Stay a while. I'm going to get to some uh, interesting points, I promise. Matthew 24, 2 through 5. And Jesus said unto them. Okay. We just, this is how the Bible is so amazing. Don't miss this. Isaiah 66, the prophet from years before, declaring the same things that Jesus is about to declare. Watch it. Isaiah 24, we're going to once again skip around for sake of time. If you, you and your own personal Bible study, go back and read it all. Matthew 24, 2 through 5. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? 
Verily I say unto you, there shall not, uh, there shall not be left one left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? And of the end of the world. The sign of thy coming and then the end of the world. Thy coming? Will God not allow her to travail and not birth that baby? Isaiah 66, 9. What's the sign of thy coming and then the end of the world, the final judgment? This, this is it. And Jesus answered and said unto them, this is where, if you're a student of the Bible, this is where you should perk up the words of the Lord. Not that novel that you read that gives you a perfect depiction of everything Scripture says as, as the words are bent and turned every which way. For Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. <laughs> Even Jesus knew what Paul... It, I'm go, we're going to get there, but Paul says, listen, verse 2 in 2 Thessalonians, when we get to our text, listen, don't be soon shaken or troubled. Why? Because verse 3... Don't let anybody deceive you. Do you understand that this is a topic that people will deceive you on? This is a topic that people will use. Prophecy, end times, these are things that people will twist and they will control you based upon fear, based upon your under... Listen, if if I got up in the pulpit and started saying, I know, I know, zoom in here, I know. He's actually going to zoom in. Look right here. I know what's going to happen tomorrow. Trust me. I know. How close are we? Are we close? It's really close. If, if I started making these prophetic utterances and, and they were not scriptural and they were my own, those that followed me would be doing so out of fear and not out of a proper understanding of the text. And it happens all the time. But the wor- I don't know what's worse, where it's like this blatant, uh, disregard for the text or where it's like half and half, where, where, where they have like, look at this verse. I know this is what this verse means. I promise you this is what's going to happen v- versus people who are just completely disregarding scripture. You know, so ultimately we have here an admonition from Jesus, an admonition from Paul to really be careful because in this area, there's going to arise false teachers. There's going to arise people that are telling you that something is this way, but it really <laughs> these are not the droids you're looking for. So back to Scripture, back to the text. Jesus answered and said unto them, verse 4 in Matthew chapter 24, if you have your Bibles, pause, block the Britney Spears mic, take a drink. I could just mute it, but that wouldn't be as theatrical. <laughs> anyway. Matthew 24, verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. You know, like that Netflix series. Just kidding, I think it was just a show. Verse 10. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. If this isn't stereotypical of our day right now, I mean, I don't know what is. He's wrong. He's wrong. I'm right. I'm Jesus. No, you're not. (laughs) Like, it's just these things are playing out, right? And because iniquity shall abound and the love of many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. I highlighted this verse 14, what's coming up. Look at it. Verse 14, check it out. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto what? all nations. And then shall the end come. What is a common theme from Isaiah 66 to Jesus' teaching in, in Matthew 24? Not that we know every detail. We can say that he said not one of these stones will go unturned. That makes sense that it's AD 70 when Jerusalem is destroyed. But ultimately, the path here is that the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the world. And, and the prophet Isaiah said, look, the point here is all the Gentiles are going to hear it. The end of the world uh, is coming when all nations have heard the gospel. It makes perfect sense. This is not a weird sort of, I, I really dislike that. When people make the Bible out to be this series of, and I'm not, I'm not discrediting scholars. I'm, I'm not a scholar. 
right? Clearly, <laughs> I'm a preacher of the gospel of Christ. But, and, and scholars will point out neat things and things that tie in and weave in together. But the point is, is regardless of all that minutia, the point of all of this is a, a time is being withheld so that everybody hears the gospel. Yes, we can continue to go down prophetic rabbit trails and study, and you should, and so do I. But the point, understanding the point of prophecy is that the Lord is withholding his son, that's what I see as being clear here. He's restraining so that everybody hears the gospel. So there's a point to the waiting. Jesus says, look at verse number 29, the last verse here in Matthew 24 that we'll read before we go to Romans. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of earth shall be shaken. In Jesus' prophecy here, we see a similar story. A withholding, a proclaiming to all the nations. Gospel being proclaimed to all the nations, and then a series of events that lead to the end where judgment is carried out. Romans eleven twenty five through 29. Let's read this together. Paul's writings. For I would not have you, uh, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part as happened to Israel under the fullness of the Gentiles be coming. The same, the, the same thought here. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are the beloved of the father's sakes. For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance or without change. Do we not see the same theme here in Paul's writing, saying, listen, it's going, Linda, look it. Remember that video? Uh, Listen to me. It's going to go to the Gentiles. The gospel is going to be proclaimed unto them. And the Lord is working this plan. A deliverer that is being withheld will come. He will right all of these wrongs. That's Romans 11, 25 through 29. Now we get to our text. Now we've seen the prophet Isaiah. We've seen Jesus himself. We've seen Paul in other places. And we know that this text where we land here, 2 Thessalonians 2, is a book that Paul's writing back to them because they were a young baby church. They, they were, uh, false teachers were coming in. These Judaizers were coming in saying, this is what the Old Testament means, not what Paul says. No. <laughs> Sorry. This is what it means. Don't listen to that guy. That guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And Paul's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, this is what it means. This is consistently the plan. Jesus himself said it. The prophet Isaiah said it. The Lord is withholding the deliverer. Why? So that all nations can be saved. And then when he comes back, there's going to be a series of things that happen. And then the judgment is going to fly. And, and ultimately, the judgment happens to right every wrong, eradicate sin completely, eradicate evil from this planet, and then we literally live happily ever after, all of us flossing in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> Just kidding. I added that little bit. This is how cults are formed, I'm telling you. <laughs> the point is, is that this, the story is consistent. Are you getting it? Miss Cindy, am I on point so far? All right. We let Miss Cindy in. She was masked up when she walked to her pew, right? So she's like, I got it right here, Pastor Matt. Woohoo. Thank you, Michelle. Shout out to Michelle for my Bethlehem Church branded mask. See it? If any of you want Bethlehem Church masks, see Michelle Murray. And she's donating all proceeds to the Vision Fund. Isn't that sweet of her? Michelle is the best. Back on track here. We've done a lot of of background to lay. I had to tuck my hair there behind my mic. We've done a lot of background here leading up to what Paul understood. You got me? We've, we've, we, we see what the Bible is saying. We see what Jesus said. And then Paul talks here. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren. Y'all don't mind if I go a half hour extra just because you're sitting in the comfort of your own home, right? We'll just continue here. We'll just preach for a while. Just kidding. It won't be that long. But stay with me. We're here finally to our text. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ 
and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by the letter as from us as the day of Christ is at what? Is at hand. It's coming. It's coming. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there shall come a falling away first, and that the man of sin shall be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he is as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Look at verse number 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Then shall the wicked one, verse 8, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 11, for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, and they shall believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Verse 15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast, hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by epistle. Listen to my words carefully. Stay with me, don't miss this. Cults have made their living on predictions and assumptions regarding things to come and their apparent prophetic understanding of said events. Listen, listen to me carefully. Cults have made their living on predictions and assumptions regarding the things to come and their apparent prophetic understanding of said events. We would be ignorant if we did not talk about the fact that false teachers like Paul warned do exist today. We would do well as the church to understand what is the point of the passage and what Paul is trying to say and, and, and so not to distract from the things that actually matter, not distract from the, the message, not distract here from the mission that Christ gave the church, that the prophet Isaiah prophesied that Christ revealed to his disciples and then Paul, an apostle to those Gentiles, is bringing to pass. We would, we would be ignorant to miss that. And, and so my point is, we have to understand that, and if you need more uh, reading on cults and other religions, come see me, I got some books for you. But the point is this, is most of them take truth, a little bit of it, some of them a lot of bit of it, quite a bit of truth, and then they turn it and shape it and mold it to control their congregations, their people, and then ultimately you see the end revealed in the fruit of whatever it is. And most of the time, you talk about like Scientology, it's money. These people were after people's money. Same thing with Jehovah Witness. It was publications that were, and in, in, in this point, in, in the age of the internet, what is being revealed is that the majority of these things were plagiarized. The majority of them were taken from the King James Bible or from other texts and were manipulated and twisted. Much of Joseph Smith's Jr.'s writings were uh, straight from the King James Bible. So a lot of it's plagiarized, and, and there's this air uh, of prophetic that's put on it where, they have, where the Lord spoke to them. Listen, I believe that the Bible, we have it all right here. God's given us everything. There is no more revelation needed. The, the canon's closed. This 66 books right here is what we have. Everything else is uh, supplemental to it to help us understand contextually, but this is the word of God. And I, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you God told me this and it's gonna be contrary to scripture. No way. The point is, is Paul had a point. Paul was directing them and, and leading them to a place where they were more effective for the gospel. And so uh, to be distracted by all of these things, my point is it's a soft landing as the cults do. So I don't want as the church to sit here and argue in men's words, is it going to be a seven-year tribulation? Is the Antichrist, uh, you know, is the Antichrist fill in the blank with whatever president you think it is? Is the Catholic Church the Antichrist? Like, we'll, we'll literally waste time on all of these things that literally no one can prove. 
No one can prove a, a literal timeline. You think that you can prove a seven year. Some people are convinced that it's uh, three and a half. It's only a three and a half year thing, a great tribulation, or they know who the Antichrist is. My point is, is there's tons of error all over the place. It is not important uh, which system that I adopt and use and say I'm pre-trib or I believe in a literal thousand year millennium here on earth. It, it's, it doesn't, it may matter second, third, fourth tier down the road. It may affect certain things that you do. But ultimately, the point in these passages are the fact that the Lord is holding back a second coming. That is a clear strand, a clear commonality in the text that is highlighted, that is the focus, the Lord is coming back. How, what days, how many years, I've got it figured out to the day. My point is, is when we put emphasis in those places and we have to have it fit some sort of theological framework and watch, I've been guilty of this. You could probably go back in our sermon archive and pull a message where I said, I'm pre-trib, God bless you. You know, like I've grown too in this area. Dogma should not be present in this. But where it should be present is the fact that the Lord is coming back. And the fact that everyone, all nations will be given a chance and will hear the gospel. And beyond that, judgment will fall to those who do not believe. So however you uh, interpret these things, uh, be careful to... To say, this verse means this. This means this, absolutely. If you get 10 scholars in this room, on this stage, that, have, that all of their PhDs were in end times, uh, they're all going to disagree. They're going to come at it from different angles. They're going to say, this verse means this. It's a part of this system. Look at me, and I don't want you to have your faith blurred because those are not tier one issues. They're not. What they all would agree on, if you're a Christian church, if you, if you proclaim the Bible, if you proclaim truth in the gospel, no matter what denomination, if you're a true Christian church, you're, they're all going to agree that Jesus is coming again. Regardless of whether there's a secretive rapture, and I fly up out of here, regardless, Jesus is coming again. Whether you believe in a rapture or not is not predicated on the fact that the Lord's coming back. He's going to have a partial coming, secretive. Everyone is really, and then we go party for seven years and then come back. None of that has the bearing. Ultimately, we all are going to come to the fact that the Lord comes back and has a bodily return to earth. That's what I'm talking about. That's what's important. So don't get sidetracked. For all of you that thought I was going to give this prophetic seven year, no, I'm not. My point today is that there's a theme from Isaiah to Jesus, from the prophets to the life of Christ, to the epistles and the letters of Paul, and that's that the Lord is coming back. And judgment is coming to the world for all those who do not believe. Okay, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Here we go. No, I just have to see where I stopped because <laughs> I just went on a rant and passed half of these things. Okay, what do we see? Remembering that Paul is battling the Judaizers, Paul refers to Isaiah in chapter Isaiah 66 specifically here in chapter 2. And and he and we see here uh, that this proves to the church that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was who he said he was. And that this is now the moving of the fullness of the Gentiles. He, Paul is definitely focused on reaching people, all people groups. Messiah has come. He will bring people from every from he will be, bring people from every nation to himself. Here's what we see. What do we see in this passage that I believe is important and is the emphasis here? Look at verse 13. Verse 13 here in the text. But we are bound to give thanks all way to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. We see that salvation comes from truth. <laughs> what do we see here? I'm bound to thank God always. God has chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. What do we see? We see here that salvation comes through truth. We also see here, verse number six, look at it. And ye know, and, and, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in this time. The Lord is calling us to action during this restraining. 
Look at Isaiah 66. I'll just scroll here. Isaiah 66, verse number 9. You have to see this. Isaiah 66, verse number 9, it says, Shall I bring to birth and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord? There's a holding, there's a holding pattern. And we see here in verse number 6, Paul says this, And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed at his time. We see here that the Lord is restraining his coming. That is the prophecy in Isaiah. And what Paul is saying is, listen, The Lord's going to come back, but he's withholding his coming. So we find that salvation comes from truth, and we see that the Lord is holding things back. So for those of you, this is a two-sided coin. For those of you that are worried, for those of you that are scared, for those of you this pandemic has you on the edge of your seat, biting your nails, you're wondering what's next. What's going to happen? Is the Antichrist going to come? Is the rapture going to happen? What's happening? There's wars and rumors of wars. There's earthquakes. For those of you that are scared, know this, that the Bible clearly teaches that the Lord is the one holding things back. I'm okay. John 16, 33, understand that in this world we're going to have tribulation. But in me, Scripture says, in the Lord, in the withholder, in the restrainer, we have peace. Know that every every trigger that needs to happen for end-time prophecy to completely play out and for ultimately the Lord to come back and judge the world, the Lord is the one holding that. Here's my point. He is in control. We forget that so often. What's the point of the text? Paul is like, here's the point, yo. Let me tell you something. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Every dude that is standing up that is saying they've got it figured out, they know what's next, understand that they're not holding the keys. They don't have the control. The Judaizers, those people that think they understand the Old Testament, are denying the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. Chill. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He was revealed to us, and we know that he is the Messiah. And and listen, if we understand that he is the Messiah, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to many as believe him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them what? That believe on his name. If Jesus is who he said he was, then you can trust in that. And so Paul is saying this, listen. This is all going to play out according to God's timing. So the one that is withholding in Isaiah is the same one that's restraining, that's waiting for the evil one, the man of perdition, the man of sin, the man of lawlessness to be revealed. So ultimately, Christians, take heart this morning. What do we see in Paul's letter? We see that we're saved by truth. We're saved by understanding that Jesus is who he said he was. That's the truth of the gospel. The truth is that he died. The truth is that he rose again on the third day. And all that put their enduring faith and belief in him will receive the reward of eternal life. And and the point is, is that he is the one withholding back all of the end times and the process to play out. So if we know who holds tomorrow, if we know who is in control then why are we worried about it? If your end-time eschological timeline creates more anxiety, then it's not something Paul would agree with. Wherever your perspective is on what are things to come, know this, that all of those things will only come as the Lord permits them to happen. And so we trust in that. We see that here in the text. Something else I find interesting, Acts 2, 5, it says... And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. The Lord Yahweh is redeeming the whole world to himself. We see here from the book of Acts, from the start of the early Christian church, that the opposite, the reversal of an exclusive nation, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, is reversed at Pentecost, and God, when, when men, devout Jews from every nation, every tribe, are together, the Holy Spirit falls on them, and many are saved and converted. What are you saying, Pastor Matt? I'm saying that it's playing out. I'm saying that we see in the book of Acts the Lord playing out the end times, and that the Lord, in 2,000 years of church history, is continuing to win people from every tribe and every nation, 
And when the time is right, he will let it go. He will let it play out. He will stop restraining these end times. Okay, three areas that I feel like are of utmost importance here in in the text here that Paul draws attention to. And then we're going to turn our phones off and eat your dinner instead of going home. I guess that's how we'll say it here as we're having church online. I want to equip you this morning. I want to equip you to live in these last days, right? Last days. The second coming of the Lord, I've said this from our study in 1 Thessalonians, the second coming of the Lord is a gift to every generation. We all live as if his coming is imminent. We all live as if the restrainer will open the floodgates of the end time, eschological timeline, and, and, and let these things play out. We all live every day with the gift that the Lord may come. But until he does, just because things are with restrained, if you're in battle and they say hold the battle line, and that doesn't mean you're charging, it, it literally means that you're acting, you're moving, you're active against the enemy even when holding a position. So just because Christian, and this was a problem, we already read this in 1 Thessalonians, people were resting on their laurels, people were not moving forward with what the plan was and how to execute. How many feel like even this morning, you're like, Pastor Matt, I just, you know, I, I don't know, I, I feel like I don't have purpose. I feel like I don't know what's next. I feel like I don't know how to, how to act, how to, how to live in these crazy weird times. Listen, we know how to act. We know how to move. Why? Because we have the word of God. We have our marching orders. We have the Apostle Paul's words to us. And boy, are they words of wisdom, even for today. So listen, we, we, leave, we leave off with this today. Paul puts the emphasis here. In, in chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he beseeches them not to be shaken, and that verse 3, that no man deceive you by any means. I'm reiterating here. I'm circling back. He puts emphasis on the fact that no man should deceive you. What does he do? He says the emphasis should be on truth. The emphasis should be on truth. And, and I'm not talking about your, your favorite prophecy book. I'm not talking about your favorite movie of, of the interpretation of end times. Our emphasis is this. Jesus is the Messiah. The the Old Testament is in view, Isaiah 66. Jesus is the Messiah. Don't fall for a system that's organizing Jesus right out of it. Don't, Don't fall for a system that puts more effort in the system than the point of the system. Then you're a Judaizer. The same people that ran Paul out of town were interpreting this in their way and in their understanding. And Paul says, listen, if anybody is coming along, trying to deceive you, trying to derail you, here's the first indicator. They don't know what the truth is. And the truth is that it's simply Jesus. That's the truth. I mean, most, if not every cult, denies the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. They deny the Trinity. They deny who the actual restrainer is, God in heaven, in control of all of these things. How did, where do I put my focus? On the truth. Oh, I, put, I know where to put my focus, right in front of the TV with my favorite news channel. And, my, and how's that working out? <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. We don't even know what the news is. Why? Because we don't know what truth is. And I agree that we have a huge truth issue in our society. Nobody knows what to believe. Noise over here, noise over there. But Paul says, don't let that happen in your relationship with the Lord. And and unfortunately, most Christians today, in 2020, their relationship with the Lord looks just like the news channels. Well, this guy said this, and this guy said this, and check this one out. How about this one? Just toss. Every wind of doctrine. Listen, there's a cult for every day of the week. And they're all missing the point. And so, listen, don't, where's Paul putting the emphasis? He's saying, listen, young church, don't miss the truth. That's the point. Don't be so consumed with all these things that you miss that it's all about Jesus. Hey, at Bethlehem, we have a, like a saying that we live by here. Does anybody know what it is? Simply what? Jesus. That's right. The second thing 
Paul says, put the emphasis on the truth. That's what we know. I think it's seven literal days. How you prove that? Well, I think here, here, here. That's not probably something that we want to emphasize. The truth that we find in every commonality is that the second coming of the Lord is going to happen. And that the day of the Lord, the Lord is going to pour out his righteous judgment on all those who do not believe. That's truth. Here's the second thing. Verse 14 and 15, I love this. And, and listen, I invite you today, I invite you today to accept the truth. I don't ever want there to be a time at Bethlehem where the truth isn't plainly stated. And I think I've said it today, this morning already. The truth is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Born, God born in the flesh. Living a perfect, sinless life. So that he could pay your sin debt. He could, t- could take the penalty for what you have done wrong and what I have done wrong and bear it upon himself in the physical form. That's why our God came to earth. And because he was God supernaturally defeating death, hell, and the grave, he said, listen, all of you that put your enduring faith and trust in me, shall live forever, shall have eternal life, shall be the way you were supposed to be from the beginning before sin entered into the world, in communion with God forever, in relationship, covenant relationship as sons and daughters of the Most High King. Paul puts the emphasis on the truth that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that he's coming again. He also says the second thing The point of this whole thing is enduring faith. Look at verse 14. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold the tradition which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Paul says, listen, there is something worth enduring for, and that's your faith. Don't miss the point. Don't miss the point in the passage. The point is the truth and enduring in that truth. Truth and enduring faith. Christian, I just want to admonish you. I want to love you to this place this morning that, listen, stay in the fight. Stand firm. Don't give up. Don't, don't stop. Anyway, you get the point. Comic relief was needed, I guess. Don't stop believing. Endure to the end. You don't need every detail, and neither do I. We just need to know that the Lord is controlling this. He is holding it. And when we place our enduring faith in him, our confidence in him, we can be at peace. I want to invite you this morning, if you have never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus, it's very simple. It's not a complicated matter. He's holding all the complicated matters. He is controlling the evil one. The evil one is not controlling him. Satan has never had a leg up on our Lord. The plan of of even the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord, God was 10 steps ahead of the evil one, figuratively speaking. If you feel like you're not good enough, it's because you're not. Your life tainted with sin will never be enough to earn eternal life. Will never be enough to give you peace in this life. But what he has done for you is such, it is the most incredible gift that anyone can ever give you. And if you accept it, it is something that Paul says, listen, hold on to. Endure. Don't let go. Don't, Christian, fall into a trap. Don't fall into a trap that you let someone deceive you. That's like having the greatest treasure given to you. The greatest amount of money, if we were to use it as an example, given to you in a swindler. And someone that's a con artist comes along and strips from you the very greatest gift that you've ever been given. And that's what Satan does in this age. As the gospel, the good news, it's too good to be true. No, it's not. He paid the price. He already did the work. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever.
he's offering to you eternal life. Why? Because he paid the price. Every cult, every deceiver, every liar will coax you into their hands and they will hold you, they will enslave you, they will tell you you have to do, you have to work, you have to be, and you have to give. Our Savior did all of those things, invites you into his presence, blesses you with the most incredible gift you've ever been given, the gospel, and when you hold fast to it, you find peace, you find freedom like no other. Whatever system you've been trusting in, if it's a system that calls and puts all the effort on you instead of on the effort that God has already done, it's wrong, it's false. And Paul says here in verse 13, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. What? Whereunto ye are called by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Listen, church, the last two verses say this. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Paul says this. Cling to the truth, have enduring faith in it, and find encouragement in what the Lord has done for you. What do we do about these end of days? Well, the Old Testament and New Testament reveal that the second coming of our Lord is imminent, and the day of the Lord will release God's righteous judgment on the world, and will bring God's final eternal kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Let me ask you this question today online. Do you know the truth? Will you accept it and place your enduring faith in Jesus today? Paul said it's, a, it's of utmost importance, of utmost importance, that you don't let anybody deceive you. I think back to the end of, well, I think it was chapter four in 1 Thessalonians. Lord Jesus will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Right now, he's just withholding. What's the purpose? Every good word, every good work. The purpose is that the gospel will go to the ends of the world. Number one, if you are a Christian under the sound of my voice today, carry the message of the truth. Carry the message of the gospel. The Lord is withholding it so that we can share our faith. Do more for the sake of the gospel, not less. Run harder, not slower. There's more to do now, not less. Well, I'm just waiting for the Lord to come back. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. The Lord's in control of all of those things. He's, he's in control to enable you to do what you need to do and share your faith. 